and raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then notice what he says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Did you notice that? He talks about the fact that we have this opportunity to grace. We have this opportunity to mercy. It's not something we deserve. It's something He gives us because He loves us. And yet even though He's given that to us, He has created us for a purpose. We are His workmanship. That is to say, we are the ones that He has crafted. We are the ones that He has built and He built us for a purpose. He built us for a function. Individually and as a church. God has a purpose for us. Does it feel good to be needed? Does it feel good to be wanted? Does it feel good to feel like you have a purpose in life? That there's something you can do. And it doesn't have to be something that somebody else is doing, but to know that there is something that you can do. And then you do your best at it, and you look back and you say, ah, oh, this is beautiful, this is wonderful, in a non-arrogant way. But you appreciate your accomplishment. I had a friend a number of years ago, this is back when I was working in politics. And this was someone who had great accomplishments in politics. And he was throwing down the money with the, with the works that he did. But he'd like to go out in his garage and make things. And I asked him one time, I said, with all that you do and all that you make, why do you waste your time on this stuff? Why don't you just go out and buy the things that you want? And he said, Ron, it's... It's not that simple. I can campaign for someone and I can organize their campaign and manage their campaign and at the end of election day they either won or they didn't. But when I go out in my garage and I craft something and I put little details in the, word, the, the wood I'm able to see something beautiful. I'm able to say, I did that. And what Paul's telling us here in Ephesians is that God created the church to function and to be something beautiful. And Paul says, we are that workmanship. When the Greeks were developing their language, and they decided on words like good and useful and beautiful. Their concept of beauty 
was different than the Romans. Their concept of beauty was something functioning the way it was intended to function. They would call that useful and good. And it had the idea of beauty involved in the idea of goodness. And that's the concept that we see Paul sometimes using in the New Testament. And he uses these terms good and useful to talk about the works that the church does. And so we have a purpose. We have a function. Now as we look at what Paul has said here, we go back to Colossians and we notice that Paul says that he wants these Christians there at Colossae to grow in their knowledge and their understanding of God. So let us transition from understanding that we have a function and a purpose to understanding that in order to achieve that function and purpose, we develop our knowledge and our understanding of what God intends for us. Notice again what he says, chapter 1, verse 11. Or excuse me, verse 10. He says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing of the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father. Again, verse 9, he says, My prayer for you is to, and what I ask is that you may be filled with, um, with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in that manner worthy of Christ doing the good works, and continuing to grow in your knowledge. And so Paul's prayer for this church was that they would have that spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they could be busy doing God's work. You grow. You develop. Sometimes as I'm studying with people that are non-Christians, one of the objections that I get almost every time as I study with someone is the idea they say, I don't know everything. That's okay. Nobody knows everything. Nobody ever, I suppose, will know everything about God in this life. No one, I suppose, will know everything there is to know about the Bible in this life. But no one has a perfect knowledge of God and His Word when they first make that decision to become a Christian. Becoming a Christian is the beginning of that journey. It's not the end. When we baptize someone and we bury them with Christ in the, in the watery grave of baptism, that's the beginning of life. It's not the end. And so we grow in our knowledge. I want you to think about something that the Hebrew writer says as we turn over to the book of Hebrews. And we notice what the Hebrew writer says. Now, oftentimes when we come to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11, and we begin reading about the idea of people should have been teachers, we usually read that under the guise of saying, oh, these were people that should have known better. And that's true. But notice to the details of what the Hebrew writer says. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. It says, concerning him, and here he's talking about Melchizedek. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing. 
For through, or for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature. Who, and this is what I want you to pay attention to, please. Who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Have you ever caught this before in discussions of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 following? The Hebrew writer says, look, I want to talk to you about uh, a difficult topic, and that is the topic of Melchizedek, but I can't do that. And the reason I can't do that is because you've become dull of hearing. You've gotten tired of hearing about the Word of God. You've gotten tired of listening to Bible teaching. So much so that you, you've forgotten all the things that you should have known. By this point, you should have heard enough that you are able to teach others. But he says, you, I, I, I can't go there. And you can't go there. Because you're so dull of hearing the Word of God. He says, you're like a little baby. Who has to feast on milk. Now, most of the adults in the room, I'm going to go out on a limb and say would rather have a 16-ounce T-bone than a glass of milk. And then there might be some vegetarians in here, some other folks that don't like steak, I suppose. But if you're like me, you want to go get a T-bone, not a glass of milk, right? And what the Hebrew writer is saying is, look, you guys have put yourselves in the position of being someone that can only drink that milk. He says that solid food that mature study of the Word of God comes by those who are familiar with the Word of God. And did you notice he used the phrase, and by practice. By practicing the Word of God. By doing the Word of God. By living the principles of God's Word. Have their senses trained to discern good and evil. There's a lot in that little statement. I know the Word of God well. And I follow the Word of God in my life. And the result of that is I've practiced it and it's no big deal for me to be able to distinguish what's good and what's evil because I've been practicing God's Word so much that it's second hand in my life. Or second nature in my life. Not second hand, but second nature in my life. And I can look at something right away and say, I, I think that's something good. Or you know what? I think that's something that maybe I ought not do. We grow in our knowledge of God's Word and we practice God's Word. And being able to have that practice and do that, that, those godly things, those biblical things in our lives by practice, by doing them routinely, by doing them diligently, by doing them consistently, allows me to know what I ought to be doing and how to do it.
and how to serve God. And then I am that creation, that workmanship, that beautiful thing that God has been handcrafting so that people will bring honor and glory to God. God wants us individually and as a church to be doing His work. He wants us to be growing spiritually. He wants us to be growing in knowledge of what His Word is. And He wants us to be practicing that Word and doing His will. So what does that look like for us as the member of Church of Christ? It, it looks like a lot of things, I suppose. On the one hand, we want to continue to grow in our knowledge of God's Word. And as I look out among you this morning, I see folks that have been Christians for years. And you have good knowledge of God's Word. And you're able to teach others. And we see the fruit of you practicing that in your life. And those are awesome things. But we also see in this room people that are still young Christians. And we want to help those Christians grow and mature in their knowledge and their practice of God's Word. As I look across this room, I, I don't see anyone that is able to be an elder today. Is that shameful for us? No. Because some of the qualifications for elders is the idea of having raised your children, raised your family, and, and seeing their own faith play out in their own lives. And guess what? We don't have anyone here that has children that are of that age. And so that's not a shame for us. But we continue to study about leadership in the church and God's desire for leadership in the church so that someday when those men are available and able to serve in that function, they can. And we'll know what God expects of them. And as a church, we'll expect them to provide that godly leadership. God wants us to grow in that way. God also wants us to serve. We have opportunities to serve our community and to reach out and to teach others the Word of God. In May of 2015, we planted this church. And our desire at that time was that we would do some things a little bit different on Sunday nights, for instance, because we wanted to follow what the Bible says, but not be enslaved necessarily to American tradition of this is what you do on Sunday nights. And we wanted to serve on Sunday nights, and we've done some of that. We want to continue to do some of that. But we started out saying we want to reach out to the community of Bimbrook and to reach the lost in Bimbrook and to reach those who don't know the Lord so that they can come and make an informed decision. I want to be a Christian. And so we want to do things that allow us to do that. At some point, we'll have the children's classroom area finished. That's no pressure on anybody, by the way. I'm just saying. Right? It's all volunteer work, right? So we're getting that done. Okay? Things will change for us. And we need to think about what can we do as a church? What should we be doing? I have some of my own ideas. You may have some of your own ideas. We need to be thinking about our plans going forward. But I want us to be specifically intentional about reaching the lost and helping the members of our church grow in their faith and their knowledge and their practice of God's Word.
Here are some things that I've been pondering and I've been thinking about. You may disagree and that's okay. Wouldn't it be great if we continued on Sunday nights? A couple Sunday nights a month we're serving in the community and we're doing that more than we are now. Now, right now, we go one Sunday night a month and we reach out to the families at Copper Creek Apartments. We can continue to do that. But another, or Copper Crossing, uh, another Sunday night a month, we can do service projects and serve our community and use it as an outreach. A couple Sunday nights a month, maybe we have Bible studies here, evangelistic Bible studies. On Wednesday nights, wouldn't it be great if we studied things that allow our church family to grow in their knowledge of God's Word? Not have a traditional Wednesday night, everyone comes together for a diva and then we break up into classes, but Bible studies. And we have something where our children can grow in their knowledge of God's Word as well. And we'll be studying things that allow us also maybe to reach out to folks. So they bring, they bring their children and they come and they study with us. Those are some opportunities that we have. My goal for you this morning is that you do a couple things. One, that you'll be thinking about ways now that we have our own facility and it's available to us seven days a week, 24 hours a day, that we'll be thinking about how can we maximize having this facility. And you put some thought into it. And then we think about that together as a church. But the second thing that I want to challenge you with this morning is that you go ahead today and you think about five people or five families that you know that don't know God or maybe have a divergent from the biblical text view of God. And you begin praying for those five folks today that God will open a door for us to study with them. And then that you add one more person to your list. And that one more person, that sixth person that you add to the list is someone that you don't know. That God will bring you in contact with someone that we can reach out to and share the gospel with. My hope is that whether it's on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights, that we'll be able to have Bible studies that will be relevant and evangelistic that will allow us to reach out to these folks. And while we're finishing getting our facility ready, we can be praying for those folks so that when those studies start, our minds have already been thinking about those folks. And it's easier for us to apply our efforts to encourage them and invite them to come and worship with us and to study with us. If we'll do that, then as a church, we will be at least in part that beautiful creation that God created us to be. If you're here this morning and you need the prayers of the church or you have other needs that you want us to be aware of, maybe you want to be united with Jesus in His death, burial, and resurrection through baptism, whatever you need, won't you come? It's together we stand and sing.